Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, if you've got your Bibles, this is probably not going to be a surprise to many of you, but we're going to go to Psalm 91. <clears throat> and I'm titling this message, which I don't normally give titles, but I'm titling this message COVID. And I took out the 19, and I realized I should have titled it COVID-91 and just flipped the 9 and the 1 around. But anyways, I didn't think about that. And I'd like to bring, um, bring up this slide here I made, which I don't do slides very often either. But actually, I didn't make it. Somebody else did. I'm not this smart. But let's bring that slide up here real quick. And I want to show you what COVID means. Look, look at this. Christ overcame various incurable diseases. Praise God. <laughs> I, I wish I could say I, that was an original. I actually saw that somewhere. And then, um, but anyways, I like that. You can just go ahead and just leave that up there until we get into the scripture verses. Christ overcame various incurable diseases. And I think we could put in there all various incurable diseases. It says that he went about healing all that were sick and oppressed by the devil. He gave his disciples power and authority over all sickness, over all disease. Praise God, it doesn't matter what it is. Jesus has redeemed us. Hallelujah. Look here in Psalm 91. And I just want to, I'm going to read this whole chapter here. And I want to try to finish reading it before I teach or preach. Um, there's no guarantees, but we're going to just try to do that. This is one of the best chapters in the whole Bible that deal with protection, that be, deal with um, deliverance, those kind of things. And so I love this. This is one I've been reading, especially the last couple of years, um, quite a bit. But in Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to say something here that when it's talking about abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, the word Almighty um, is the Hebrew phrase Shaddai, I think is how you say it. And it literally means the one who is unable to be conquered. So when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we dwell in the place of the one who doesn't have the capacity. It's not in him to be conquered. Praise God. That means that when we're dwelling with him, when we're seated with him, there is no capacity there for us to be conquered. And so this is a verse you can take right here and you could apply to every area of your life and say, in Jesus' name, I will not be conquered by anything. And you know, everything that's going on right now, I don't know about you all, but this is the craziest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I tend to think that there's more behind the scenes of things going on with our government, maybe for better or for worse. I don't really know. There's a lot of, and I'm not into conspiracy theorists, uh, theories too much, but a little bit maybe I wonder about some things. But no, nevertheless, this is the craziest thing. Our country is in the process of, of shutting down for something that is, you are less likely and have a less chance of dying from coronavirus as you do the flu. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying it's not happening in the earth. But what I am saying is that the enemy has, uh, actually, I don't even think that the enemy is necessarily behind the coronavirus. So let me rephrase that. It's definitely not God. God's not behind sickness and disease. And we could talk for weeks on end about that from the scriptures. But I don't even necessarily know that the, the disease itself was like sent by Satan. They don't know the origins of it. There's all kinds of speculation where it came from, all of that kind of stuff. But I do know this, that the enemy is taking it and he's causing hysteria and for people to operate in fear. Now listen to me. 
the church of the Lord Jesus should not be acting the way that it is. I'll be so bold as to say that. The church of the Lord Jesus should not be acting the way that it is. And I'm not saying everybody's doing that. I think you're here you are on a Sunday morning when so many um, places have closed their doors. And by the way, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. We have a First Amendment right to assemble, and it says that the government shall not infringe upon that. I'm just going to leave it at that. You can interpret that any way you want to, but we don't have 250 people here, so we didn't have to worry about that law. But I can tell you now, if we had 250 people here, we would be assembling anyways. I have the religious freedom, according to the Constitution in the United States, that we can assemble. Praise the Lord. I don't want to get off on that because this isn't about uh, being constitutional today. This is about being biblical. So let me thank you, Jesus, that I'm going to stay the course. But I do know this, that there's tremendous am- amount of hysteria, of fear that's being uh, propagated by the enemy on people. And there's a, there's a reason why this is happening. Spiritually speaking, there's a reason why this is happening. Liz and I probably about three times a week, we go and walk the Perry County Lake together and we just pray and we talk and, and we cast vision and we work through things, whatever it is. And it, when we were walking it, all of a sudden it just hit me and I realized why this is happening. See, the enemy always wants to make a big deal about something and he, and he does that to work in opposition of what he's caught wind of what the Lord is about ready to do. I'm telling you, we, we are living right on the cusp of, an, an, I believe, the end-time revival, but definitely at least a third great awakening in our country. We're right on the brink of it, and the enemy has caught wind of what the Lord is doing. And I was thinking about this, and this applies personally and on a national level. How does the enemy know uh, what the plans of the Lord are? Because he's not all-knowing. He does not know everything. And so this, I've, I figured something out a while ago and the Lord just, you know, reconfirmed this to me. The way he knows plans is when we speak them and we declare them out of our mouth. Now that shouldn't, that should not make us fearful of receiving a prophecy or giving one or anything like that. We need to declare what the Lord is saying, but it should open up our eyes to whenever God declares something that we take it and we fight the good fight of faith with the prophecies, just like Paul told Timothy, with the prophecies that were previously spoken over us. And when there is illumination that comes, and I'm going to probably have to leave Psalm, leave Psalm 91 for a moment, but I'll come back to it. Now, I'll come back to this in just a minute. But when we have illumination that comes, the enemy will always come and try and fight what it is that God has revealed to us. And I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Let me continue reading Psalm 91. And so in verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. See, sometimes it does good to read the Bible and read it with authority. Actually, it always does good to read it and read it with authority. Read it and as if God is speaking this to you. Read it as if uh, the, the writer of this, of this psalm is writing this directly to you, and you say it as if it belongs to you. Amen. In verse 3, it says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by, na- by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the perilous pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. 
A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Let me tell you something. I want to stop here and tell you something. There was an amazing story that took place. I believe it was back in the 40s when John G. Lake had his ministry. Any, anybody in here ever heard of John G. Lake before? If you don't know of John G. Lake, you should go and do a little research and find out. He was an incredible man of God, seen some of the most unbelievable miracles and, and healings that took place. And John G. Lake, during the, the bubonic plague, when that was spreading across the earth, it was one of the most serious plagues that's ever hit the earth in the history of what we have recorded. And John G. Lake walks right into a place where they were treating people with the bubonic plague and walks in there and he was completely, now this is documented. This has been, I mean, you can go and find this. This is, this happened. This isn't just some story. This happened. He walked into the place where they were treating the people for the bubonic plague. And when he did, the, the doctor's um, got on him and said, you're not, you're not protecting yourself and you're not covering yourself. He said, I don't need to do that. <laughs> Listen, there's another level to come to. <laughs> it's one thing to, to say, thank you, Jesus, for healing me after something comes on you. It's a whole nother level to say that thing's not even going to come nigh my dwelling. John G. Lake had a revelation of this. And when he went in there, he had, there was a man who had died that had some spittle, foam or whatever that came from his mouth. He said, that, that man died there, take that. He said, put it on my hands and look at it under the microscope. True story. Put it under the mi microscope and those doctors watched that virus die on his body. And here's the reason why, because the resurrection power of God is greater than any virus, any disease, any anything. And the only difference between Jesus and John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and some of these other great generals of faith is they just had a stronger revelation than most of what us have of who they were and what God could really do through the resurrection power that's flowing through our veins. You realize that the Bible, every bit of it, 100% is totally true. And it says the same spirit, the exact same one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, so, so in other words, the spirit that carries the resurrection power, the one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you and will quicken your mortal body. Man, that's powerful. You could stop and think and meditate on that for a while. That's powerful. That just makes a religious mind flip upside down and do cartwheels and spins and everything else. Because the word of God is true 100%. And I believe that there's another level that God's calling us into. Hear me in this, as the days continue on, there will be other plagues, there will be other viruses, there will be other things, and we need to go ahead and gird ourselves up, and you say, well, that's a negative prophecy. No, that's just in line with what the Bible says is going to happen. There's going to be things happen like that. What are you and I going to do when we have those things come against us? What are we going to do when we have those things that we're faced with? Are we going to shrink back in fear? Are we going to stand as people that carry the resurrection power of God? Are we going to stand as people together, unified, saying, I I don't know what's going on out there and 10,000 may fall, fall on this side and a thousand on this side and these people may have issues and these people might have issues, but it's not going to happen to me. Hallelujah. That's what God has called us to. And the only thing I can say is if you go, well, I, I just haven't seen that. Listen, you have to have the Lord help you. So when you need the help of the Lord, that's when you go to the Lord and say, help. That's a good prayer sometimes. Help. 
Have the Lord help you open up your eyes to see the realities that are in the scriptures, that are in the word, what God's word promises, and stop looking only at the natural. In fact, this last week, I started quoting, and I got it written up on the board in my office. I started quoting, I have the ability to see into the spirit more than what I see in the natural. And if we can do that, that means that the natural is not going to overwhelm us because we've got eyes that look through faith. We've got eyes that look through what God has done. We've got eyes that see what the Spirit is saying. Hear me in this. There will be more plagues. There will be more viruses. How are you going to prepare for those things? Go ahead and get it quickened in your heart that these things are not going to come nigh my dwelling. And listen, that, that's, not, that's not being cocky. That's not being arrogant. You don't have any ability in yourself to heal anything or to stay free from anything. You and I in and of ourselves are completely powerless. <laughs> but we have all the power of the resurrected one living on the inside of us. So we're not just a worthless worm who has no power or ability. Man, we've got all of the anointing, the ability, the power of God living on the inside of us. I thank you, Jesus, that there's a great awakening happening in the church in this hour. There's a great awakening happening in this church in this hour. See, when you get this on the inside of you, it'll change the way you, you go about everyday life, not just a national crisis or a, what's a, being presented as a crisis. But anyways, it's become a crisis because of all the fear. By the way, next week, um, we're not going to be receiving money. We're going to be receiving toilet paper in the offering because <laughs> apparently it's more valuable than cash right now. I don't know. What kind of sense does that make anyways? You don't go to the bathroom anymore in something like that. You go the exact same amount as far as what I understand. I'm not going to get into all that. That's weird, but... Man, it's just fear. All that stuff is just fear. But we have to come to a place to where we're not just willing to stand up at a time like this and say, it won't come near me. But what about when a cold attacks you? What about when the normal flu attacks you? What about when other things attack you? Are you going to lay down in fear? Or are you going to stand up in faith and say, it's not coming on me and I'm not going to deal with this other than to speak the word? I'm not going to get in fear over this thing. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to declare what God says. Amen. That's what the people of God are called to do. We're called to do that. And there needs to be an awakening in the church to realize, and I just pray, and I don't believe it's happening, but I believe it will change. I just pray that Every pastor across the United States is ministering a message similar to this. Because when I look at the things that, and look, I love God's people. I love the church. I, I, I genuinely love the church of God. I got a revelation that they were paid for. We were paid for by the blood of Jesus. We are valuable. But I also understand this, that we've got something so tremendous on the inside of us that it's just like the spirit of slap wants to come all over me and say, wake up. Look at what God's given us. It's incredible. It's awesome. We're living at such a low level, most people, because we really don't know what we have in him. We operate in the level of revelation that we currently carry. What people say, you know, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. What we don't know is killing us. What we don't know is hurting us. But what we do know gives us the ability to operate at a much higher level. It's not a coincidence that people that take the word and declare the word and proclaim the word and live by the word and go by what the word says, that they live at a higher level of victory than those that don't. That's not a coincidence. That's faith. That's taking the Bible and saying, I believe this, and I'm, and I'm not going to believe this. 
And this isn't from some movement. This is from Abraham. Go and study Abraham. It was beyond Abraham's physical capacity and Sarah's to, uh, to have a child, but yet God promised that they would have a child. And sure enough, after they got in faith, when he was 100 years old and she was 90 years old, they conceived a child, and then, they, of course, they bore Isaac, and the, the rest is history. That's what faith looks like, is when you're more moved by what God says than you are the natural. And when you think about that, think about being 90 years old, ladies, and, and birthing out a baby. Man, that's faith. Think about being 100 years old, men, and saying, my wife's going to birth a baby. That's faith. When people mock you, when people laugh at you, when people say that's ridiculous. And see, here's the thing. What I want to do is I want to create such an environment of faith here. I don't care what the people on the outside say about us. Man, people mock us all the time. We, should I even say it? Yeah, I'll just say it. We've been called a cult uh, more times this year than we had last year. And last year broke the year's record before that. They said, they're brainwashing people in there. Yes, we are. Because your brain needs washing really, really, really bad. Amen. <laughs> it's called renewing your mind according to the word of God. Amen. I'm not supreme authority. The word of God's supreme authority. If I ever said, a, a cult leader would never say, if I'm ever wrong, then you have a right to not believe what I'm saying, but to believe the word of God. There, if there's any question in your mind, that settles it right there. I'm not final authority. The word of God is final authority. Amen. You see, I want to develop a layer, a bubble of protection here to where, not to where we, we insulate ourselves from reaching out to people, but to where we don't care what other people say about us. And then there's such a culture of faith on the inside here that whenever anything comes up, we say, wait a second, that's not what God's word says. Let's get rid of that thought. Let's get rid of that. We're not going to operate in fear. That's what we do here. That's what people that are so covered in the protection of God, the glory of God, the word of God, they're so moved by faith. That's how we move and that's how we operate. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me continue reading Psalm 91 and then I'm going to start preaching here in just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. So I don't remember where I was. I think verse six, seven, I was in eight. Let me go back to seven. It says, a thousand may fall at your side. Look, whatever's happening in Illinois, whatever's happening in the other states, or some of you from Illinois, we'll go beyond that, Kentucky or whatever, any of the other states going around, that might be at our side. And 10,000 at your right hand, maybe that's China or whatever, but it's not going to come nigh us. Verse 8, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. You know what the reward of the wicked is? Of course, the wicked one is the enemy. He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm telling you, only with your eyes, you get a hold of this, only with your eyes will you see his reward, which is to destroy people's lives. It's not going to destroy your life in Jesus' name. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. This isn't a place where you visit once in a while. It's a dwelling place. The Lord gave me an analogy of this, and it's kind of weird, so please just bear with me. But when Liz and I were walking around the lakes, the lake the other day, and every time we walk around, she, it's about the halfway point, she stops and uses the restroom, and I never use the restroom. I'm a guy, and I prefer the bushes or something like that. And so it's, there's plenty of trees, so it's just no problem. And so, because it's a pretty long walk, so it's a good idea to, to do that if you need to. And, I, and the Lord spoke to me, and I was thinking, I've never gone into that, that restroom. There's a male and there's a, there's a female restroom there. And so I've never gone, gone in there before. And I was thinking, I've never gone in there before. And the Lord said, that's just how so many people are. They walk with me, but they never go into the intimate place. 
There's a lot of people that you walk with God in the sense that it's like, I believe God, I believe in who he is, but you never go into the secret place, the intimate place with the Lord. Folks, that's not supposed to be a place we're supposed to visit. We're supposed to live in the intimate place with the Lord. We're supposed to dwell there. It's supposed to be our habitation. So when people say, well, you know, so-and-so prayed and, 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 and they died, and so I guess the scriptures just aren't true. No, the scriptures are always true. Is it possible that so-and-so got out of the secret place? They got out of the protection of the Lord? And I'm not, supposed to, I'm not saying we're supposed to be in fear about it, but there's an explanation as to why things don't happen in people's lives when things work out different than what the word says. The difference is, is they just aren't cooperating with the word and there's no condemnation. I've not cooperated with the word in my life at times, but the word is always true 100% all of the time. Hallelujah. So in verse 11, it says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread up on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. And now listen here, there's a switch that happens here. And this is when the Lord, instead of talking about what the Lord is going to do, it's ta- now this is talking about the, what the Lord speaks over you. Verse 14, it says, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is to an old covenant people that had a lesser They actually had as great a covenant, but they didn't have the fulfillment of what we have through Jesus. They had the same promises, but they didn't didn't have the same level of not having to work and keep all of their ducks in a row to manifest what his promise was. We, Jesus has already, he has already kept everything perfect for us. Hallelujah. So if this applies to them, that if they stay in the love of God, they stay connected up with Jesus. How much more us who have a better covenant made with better promises is what the word says. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why don't you quote that about a hundred times, about a hundred days in a row, and it will change how you think. It will change how you look at God. It will change how you look at the situations that come up against you. We have scares. We have things that come up against us. But you know what isn't the problem? What isn't the problem is the issue. What is the problem is the fear associated with the issue that the enemy is coming and projecting in our life. Fear isolates. Fear makes us pull back. Fear causes us to do things in the flesh, to try to figure it out in the flesh. And I'm not telling you to go to the doctor or not go to the doctor. And you'll never hear me say that. I'm not going to tell you to do something or not, and then you're not in faith and you die or whatever. But what I am saying is that if you are in, in faith and you're in this place where you're trusting the Lord, God's word will always work in your life. He's, he is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one person, he's done for everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we have to come to a place to where we're not double-minded about things. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all, all his ways. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. It doesn't say that God won't give. It says that you won't receive. 
So then we go into these things and we say, well, maybe God wants everybody to be wiped out. Maybe he doesn't want everybody to be wiped out. Maybe this coronavirus is from him. Maybe it's not from him. Maybe this thing that I got struck with in my body is from him. Maybe it's not. And we go back and forth in, in our mind about all of this stuff. That's called being double-minded. If you do that, you won't receive anything from the Lord. We need to know the will of the Lord. We need to know what God says. It says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, somewhere around there, it says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us and that we'll have the petitions that we ask of him. So how can you have confidence in asking if you don't know what you're asking is what he wills or not? The key isn't to just go, Lord, whatever it be your will. That's, that doesn't get anything done. The key is to go, God, I know your will. I know what Psalm 91 says to me. And God, that was actually to a person who had a lesser covenant than what I have. I know it belongs to me even in greater measure. So I'm not double-minded about what your word says. I'm not double-minded about who I am in Christ. I'm not double-minded about the resurrection power. God, I know what you've given me, and I'm going to stand firm, and I'm going to stand strong. And now I've got this confidence, and I know anything that I ask according to your will, I'm know it's done for me that I'll have the petitions that I ask of you. Hallelujah. That's something you can hang your hat on. But meanwhile, whenever something does come knocking on your door, if you're not to John G. Lake level yet, praise God, something does come knocking on your door, the enemy immediately is going to bring in fear to try and get you to believe that it's not going to work for you. I'm telling you, it will work for you. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. And I want to say something. I started to say this, and I don't think I really finished what I was going to say, but on a, on a grand scale, the coronavirus has got so much. It's a smokescreen, and the enemy is trying to get people in fear because he's moving in opposition of what God is about ready to unleash on America in a good way. And see, some people are confused about this because they listen to preachers that don't know their they're the new covenant. They haven't distinguished the old from the new. And they'll say, this is God's judgment. Folks, I could, I could talk to you for weeks on end about the fact that God is done judging people in this dispensation. He does not bring judgment on you. It says that he purged your sins and sat down, which means that it was finished. It was a done deal. He does, he's not holding your sins against you anymore. We have peace with God. He has justified us freely. You know the difference between a forgiven person and a justified person? A forgiven person can walk out of being forgiven, but they still have the guilt of what they did wrong. But a justified person who is someone who walks out in literally all the punishment that was due to them, even the consciousness of what they did wrong is removed and all placed on the person who took the payment for them. Guys, we have not only been forgiven, we have been freely justified. It's just as if I never even sinned. And the greater we understand this revelation, the greater the power of God, the greater the resurrection power that we walk in. We have to understand this, and we have to be the ones with the right answers. Because people are saying things like, this is God's judgment. It's not, God, it's not God's judgment. You know, if anything, California should have been the worst place I mean, just in the natural, I'm not saying God didn't love those people. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of holes in that philosophy. God is not bringing judgment against people. That was old covenant. He deals with people through Jesus now. 
Jesus was the propitiation for our sins, listen to this, and not ours only, but for the entire world. The word propitiation, propitiation, it means the appeasement of divine wrath because God's wrath must be appeased. Disobedience requires that there be punishment in the earth. But guess what? Jesus was the propitiation. He was the appeasement of divine, God's divine wrath that you and I deserved and the whole world deserved it. Jesus was the appeasement of that. And this gospel shall be preached. Then the end will come. What gospel? That God's destroying people's lives? Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. God, has, God sent Jesus to save men's lives. In case anyone is wondering, yes, there's coming a time in the end when God is going to pour out tremendous wrath at the end of this dispensation. You have to understand things in dispensations. There are, there are times and seasons in how the Lord works. God is not bringing judgment on people in the earth now because he already did it through Jesus. For the ones who haven't received that, there is go- going to come a time when God will pour out his wrath. You can read it in Revelation. It's nasty bad. <laughs> for the ones who received Jesus, they will, for anybody that doesn't believe in the rapture, then you'll supernaturally be protected through the tribulation. <laughs> God's wrath's not going to be poured out on you. Amen. For those of you that believe in the rapture, you're going to go up and you're not going to experience all of it, but either way, you're not going to experience any of it if you've, been, if you've been set apart in Jesus. The greater revelation we have of this, the greater power and authority you will walk in. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Anybody getting something out of this? I'm preaching myself happy. I'm just going to get happier and happier. Romans chapter 5. Let me show you this. Oh my gosh, I wish I could take this and talk about it forever. I will, but you won't be with me because you'll have to go at some point. <laughs> I know God's going to give me at least like, like 10 full years just to preach in heaven, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I won't have to hurry. I mean, we'll have all eternity, you know? I always think, you know, people that you didn't particularly care for, whatever that you see in heaven, they'd be like, hey, let's get together. And you'd be like, no, we'll, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. I don't know. Forget that. Okay, hold your place in Romans chapter 5. I want to show you something else. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Can you handle a few more minutes? Hallelujah. Man, this is awesome. I love this. 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, man, this is just, I'm about ready to jump out of my skin. This is awesome. Verse 45. And this ties in with where I'm getting. I'm going to go back to Romans 5, so don't lose your place in Romans 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45, we're going to go through 49. It says, and so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Notice it says the last Adam, not the second. He was the second, but he's also, Jesus was also the last. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Now look at this in verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, 
we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. We say, well, that's when we die and go to heaven. Look, no. Jesus told his disciples, which we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. It's really our prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he have us pray something that's not his will and that couldn't possibly come to pass in our life? He wouldn't. I'm telling you, every one of us has, have borne the image of the man of dust. Every one of us have borne the image of sin in our life. But when we put on the new man, anyone who's created in Christ Jesus has a brand new, born again, made alive unto God's spirit on the inside of them. And so in that sense, the church is perfect. God's made us, it says in Ephesians 4 and 24, it says to put on the new man which was created righteous and truly holy. It was created that way. When? When you got born or when you got born again? When you got born again. Everyone was born automatically into sin. Their spirits dead unto God. But when we received the new life in Christ, our spirits became alive. And now on the inside, we bear the image of the heavenly man. We bear the image of the second Adam. If you could open up the inside and you could just expose who you are in the spirit, I heard it put like this, that one third of us, we're a spirit, a soul, and a body, and one third of us is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. One third of us is made perfect, made righteous, made holy, made alive, has the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in it. And what we're doing now is we're in the process of opening up and releasing the life of Christ that's on the inside to the outside. And the way that we do that is having revelation of what God says, knowing what God says, believing what God says about us. And the way that the enemy will always come in and trick people, it, it, it's, he makes it so personal. Is That's true for other people, but look at the sin you did. Look at this thing you did. Look at this thing you did. Look here in Romans chapter 5, and this is all in context of the, second, the, the, the first Adam and the second Adam, the last Adam, which was Jesus, and going to verse 17. Actually, verse 16, let's do verse 16. It says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. <laughs> For the judgment, which came from one offense, talking about what Adam did, and Eve, but Adam and Eve, from the offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from man, many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's death, uh, excuse me, if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. When you reign, sin doesn't. When you reign, sickness doesn't. When you reign, coronavirus doesn't. When you reign, poverty doesn't. Whatever it is that's trying to rule you, God has called us through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness to reign through the one in this life. That means that we lord over the circumstances instead of them lording over us. We literally are on top and not on bottom. 
So what we, what we need isn't to pray that God puts us in a position. What we need is to pray that God opens up the eyes of our understanding, that they would be enlightened, that we see the position that we are already seated in in Christ right now. It says that we are seated far above all principalities, all the rulers and darkness of this age, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And you know what the Lord spoke to me the other, the other day? And it just, I mean, it just made me so robust on the inside. He said, you are seated with Christ, with Jesus, and it is the seat of favor. And then he said, it's not just a seat of favor, it's the seat of my favor. And when God's favor is on you, it'll overcome It'll undo any wrong. It'll do anything that needs to be set right. Every crooked path will be made straight because you're seated with him in the place of favor. Who's any man? Who's any coronavirus? What is any coronavirus? What is any disease? Who's the devil to bring a charge against you, God's elect? For it's God who justifies. Who is the devil to come in and say that you don't have any right or authority, that you don't have any, any legal right to what God's provided through Jesus? Who is the devil to come in and say that? He's a liar. He's an accuser. And he's, he's, he's after bringing accusation to make you believe something different than what God says about you. The same lie that he had back in the garden was the same lie he tried to give to Jesus that Jesus didn't take the bait, but it's the same lie that he's given to us today. He told Adam and Eve, he said, he said, in the day, because they, they were already created in the image of God, right? They were already just like God. They could not have been any more like God than they were. And he came to him and he said, look, the day that you eat of this tree, then you will surely be like God. The lie was, the deception was to get them to believe that they weren't something that they already were. They took the bait, thus plundering the whole world into sin. Fast forward to Jesus. When Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted, what did the devil say? He said, if you are the son of God, if you really are who you say you are, then do these things. And Jesus didn't have to do anything. He already knew who he was. And you know what the same temptation is for us today? Come on, somebody get happy in here. The enemy comes and it says, if you are the son of God, if you are the child of God, why did this thing happen in your life? Why did this take place in your life? Why did you make this mistake? Why did you have this sin happen in your life? And Jesus comes in and reminds us, listen, I've already set you free. I've forgiven you. I have justified you. It's as if you never did that thing before ever in your life. You wipe the enemy's lies. You take his fear and you throw it away. It doesn't even belong to you. You're my child. You're seated in the place of my favor. And it's not because of your works. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of what I've done. And I've given you the right, the authority to reign over every single area of life through the abundance. Everybody say abundance. Abundance of grace. Okay, everybody say abundance. Abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. Do you understand that a gift is free? You can't work for a gift. If you had to work for it, it's called payment. It's a gift. It's free. You cannot make yourself righteous before God. You can't. Only Jesus could live to the level to make himself righteous, to make him, or to, to, to keep that, to keep that status. You can never do it. This is why the devil, 
he works so hard to get people into all kinds of legalistic actions, all kinds of, of a works mentality. But the very first thing that we were supposed to do when we came to Christ is to have repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Repentance from dead works, is that mean, it means that we stop trusting in the works that we did that were really dead because they couldn't obtain which we ultimately needed, which was right standing with God. He says, repent from the dead works. Repent from that. Stop trying to make yourself something when Jesus, when God through Jesus has already made you everything that you will ever need. You're already seated in the place where you need to be seated. You don't need, listen, you don't need to try and go get authority over the devil. Use the authority that you have. I, sometimes I hear people and they're like, I'm going to get authority. And no, just stop saying that. You have authority. Use the authority that you have. The reason the devil keeps destroying us is because we don't know the authority that we have. The only authority he has in our life is what we allow him to have in our life. He's nothing. He's zero. He's nobody. All he has are lies, accusations, and the cunningness and craftiness. That's all he operates and works in. He doesn't have power. He has deception. He has no power. He has deception. But when we buy into his deception, that's when it opens the door, and that's when he comes in and starts wreaking havoc. And you know the first place he does it? I made a, Liz and I made a little Facebook video yesterday, and I said this, I said that fear is Satan's birth, firstborn child. Very first thing he's going to try to get you into is fear. Because when something, if you know the word, when something comes against you immediately, especially if you're led and, and, and guided by the word of God, when you start to speak that, the enemy is going to come in and immediately try to get you to believe that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. It's not going to work for you. So-and-so died of that. So-and-so didn't have the breakthrough that they said they were going to have when they were repeating and quoting the same scripture verse or whatever. And he comes in with these lies. And if he can, he's going to pull you back and get you in fear. And if you can remain in fear, you're not going to be in faith. You're not going to come to the place where you just say, you know what? I'm putting my foot down and I'm not going to be moved to the left or to the right. I'm going to trust you, Lord. All of this coronavirus stuff, this is all about the enemy trying to bring fear into the hearts of people because now time is the church. Now is the time for God's people to arise in faith. Now is the time for us to stand up and stand in the midst of this and say, we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be moved. We're not going to act like the rest of the world does. We will wash our hands, praise God. We should be doing that anyways. It's good wisdom. There's wisdom to use, but we are not going to be in fear. We are not fear-driven people. We are faith-driven people. We are of the faith of Abraham. Abraham looked right in the face of the impossible. He looked right in the face of what couldn't be and said, by God, it will be, it is be, it, it, it is. And he learned to call those things that were not as though they were. You know what that means to call the things that are not as though they were? As I think is how it says it in Romans 4. That means that you can see something in the natural and you go, I see that's going on. Faith isn't denying something exists. It denies it access and influence in your life. It's not wrong to say, I see the problem that's going on there. There's nothing wrong with that. But faith will deny it, the ultimate influence in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look here in Proverbs chapter, I'm going to read this. Don't even turn them. I'm going to read this really quick. This is a word the Lord gave me, and this came back up, and I'm going to finish with this. Man, I could go for a lot longer, but I won't. Proverbs chapter 5, and, and, uh, excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 25. This is the Passion Translation, so just listen to this. Actually, could we pull this up here on the screen? I believe the guys have got that back there. Here we go. Look at this. Everybody look up here. 
It says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. And I wrote in my Bible when I was reading this right here, I I put instructions for 2020. This was at the very beginning. This would have been day four because I was reading through Proverbs uh, a chapter a day. Anyways, I kind of quit that. But anyways, uh, I didn't lose interest, but I just got interested in other things. So anyways, the very beginning of the year before all this stuff uh, came into be, the Lord said these are instructions for 2020. These three verses here, and I love the Passion Translation. Let me start again. Let your eyes look straight ahead and let your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Listen to me. Don't look to the right or to the left with all this stuff. You look, you can keep your eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. That's going to be a very important tool in the days ahead that we keep our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. Extremely important. Verse 28. Oh, no, we are finishing with verse 27. Oh, go back to verse 27. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Next part of verse 27 is what I meant to say. Here's the big shebang. It better be because I built this up. Wait a second. This is not the Passion Translation. This ain't, the, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at here, I'm like, that's, this, let me read this. I'm thinking, man, this is really lacking the, 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 the excitement that I had. I'm thinking, where am I going to go with this? All right, listen to this. I'm just going to read it. Forget the screen, all right? Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. You know what this is? That's going on in our world? This is a distraction. It's a smokescreen. The enemy's blowing all this up to make it look like something because he doesn't want people to see what God is doing and what God's going to do. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Man, I like that. Woo! Verse 27, it says, Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. Don't be sidetracked. Don't look to the left or right. Have your eyes fixed with purpose. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I I have to, because I started to go there, I'm going to finish with this one more thing. Here's closing number two. I have to finish with this one more thing. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at here. Hebrews chapter, excuse me, chapter, uh, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. So I was talking about, so how does, the, how does the enemy understand that, that God is going to, do, going to do things? And it's whenever uh, words are spoken, people's hearts are illuminated, he catches wind of it, and he will always fight against what God's trying to do. Why wouldn't he? That's just what he does. That's who he is. He hates God, he hates us, and he's going to war against us all of the time. And so we need to understand that many times when attacks come, In fact, I'll say pretty much all of the time when attacks come, it's because he is trying to get us moved off of what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing, and get us focused in fear on the thing that he's saying and what he's trying to do. All he he does is just, he goes around as a roaring lion, but he goes around as a great distractor, trying to get us off target of what the Lord is saying at that particular time. And hear the words of prophets after prophets after prophets after prophets after prophets. We are on the brink of a great awakening in our, in our country. So the, so the Lord, I mean, the enemy will work and he'll try to go to the same level as the Lord, but he can't do it. 
the mass hysteria you're seeing right now with people, it's going to be just a picture of the mass revival that we're going to see in this country. Thank you, Jesus. And for the record, let me say something, that it's not God that is just deciding to pour out revival. He's already poured out revival in our hearts. It's an awakening, a better way to say it, it's an awakening in the church to what God has already given us. This is why Paul, he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe and something else that lists in there too, but that our eyes would be opened up to those things. But look here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. It says, but recall the former days in which after, after, everybody say after. After you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. I think the King James says a great fight of affliction. When illumination comes, that's when the fight often comes to you. I've met so many people that it's like they get all of a sudden they get a revelation of healing and they're like, oh my gosh, I see it. And then boom, one thing after another that they get hit with. Why? Because they had an illumination and the enemy's trying to come in and get them to believe that the illumination that they have that's going to cause them to operate in great power isn't really real. He moves quick like that. Whenever the enemy... Whenever someone will get a word concerning like, and I've done this before, I've prophesied over people financially, like the Lord would speak to me about something financially. And I would prophesy and they'd come back the next week, they'd go, you know, we just lost so much. We lost work and man, our bank account got hit with things and da, 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 da. You know what that is? An illumination came and then the enemy came in to try and sideswipe and distract what it was that the Lord said was going to happen. So when you endure a great fight of affliction, understand the enemy has purpose behind it, but you are more than a conqueror. You are more than an overcomer. Greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world and so on and so forth. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. 